Rocky Hill Accountants offers a unique, low-pressure approach to professional and personal services, which is why they have an excellent client retention rate and are extremely proud of the high-quality services that their firm provides. The executive team at Rocky Hill Accountants has over 35 years of combined experience in income tax preparation, bookkeeping, accounting, and IT crypto tax. They specialize in individual income tax preparation, as well as trusts, estates, and gift tax returns. The tax deadline for individuals is May 17th. If you're one of the 50 million Americans who still hasn't filed, visit RockyHillAccountants.com. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Which Manning lobs it, Burris alone, touchdown New York! It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the tagger? Oh! High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, trap, wall, see ya, into the second deck, a grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge, and the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thank you, Jace Garcia. Big thanks to Jace for putting that up promo together for our show. Great job, Jace, putting that together. Excellent job. It's yeah, just so great. It, it's just so great to have a promo for our show. And uh, we got to start, and we got to start with Aaron Rodgers. We got to start with the news from uh, Thursday. I mean, uh, he wants out of Green Bay. He told him Thursday that he wouldn't want to return to the team. Then on Saturday, he wanted Brian, uh, he said he will return, but the only re- way he'll return is, is if Brian Gutekunst gets fired. So this is a messy, messy situation in Green Bay. And the, and the route to the, and the route uh, where this all began, though, was at the draft last year. When they drafted Jordan Love and they didn't tell him, I thought that was an absolutely terrible pick at the time. I thought it didn't help their team one bit to have Jordan Love. It doesn't help one bit to have your – this isn't – they're going to compare it to Favre Rogers. This is not 2005, okay? In, in today's NFL, you cannot have a number one pick sitting on the bench. You think that the Saints probably would have loved to have taken Jordan Love last year, but they were committed to Drew Brees. They believed they could win with Drew Brees, and they didn't want – they did not want that situation. They didn't want that quarterback controversy. But Green Bay chose to have that quarterback controversy. And, yes, it fueled Aaron Rodgers. He had a great year. But at the end of the day, you know, he had a great year. But at the end of the day, and in that game against the Buccaneers, he didn't have that good number two receiver to get him over the top. And, obviously, the head coach took the ball out of his hand. So, you know, right now, Aaron Rodgers, I don't blame him for wanting out, out of this, uh, wanting out of Green Bay. I don't at all. I mean, this guy, in my opinion, is a top-five quarterback of all time. I know it's crazy to say that. But he's a top five quarterback of all time, and I'll give I'll give you the reasons why he's lost he's lost playoff games. Uh, his first playoff game against Arizona, t- team gives up over forty points. How is that Aaron Rodgers' fault? Then then he wins the Super Bowl. He had a pretty good defense that year, but then he wins the Super Bowl in two thousand ten. Two thousand eleven, 
he loses to my Giants. They give up the, uh, the Packers drop nine passes and he gives up 37 points. The year after, he, he loses the 49ers. Team gives up 37 points. Uh, 2013, he's hurt. The team is pretty much he, he pretty much has a great game against the Bears to get them to the playoffs. Then drives down the field and ties the game against the 49ers. But guess what happens? The defense can't stop Colin Kaepernick. 2014, he should have easily made the Super Bowl, but the special teams unit could not recover an onside kick. And then, uh, and then you know, 2015 makes an unreal play, one of the best plays you're ever going to see. Unreal Hail Mary, the second time he did it that year. But guess what happens in overtime? The defense doesn't make a stop. 2016, which he should have won the MVP. Matt Ryan robbed him of that MVP that year because he took a team with a running back that had the number 88 on the back of his jersey. The number 88. Running backs don't have 88 in the back of their jerseys. They converted Ty Montgomery to a running back to become a running back from a receiver to a running back that year because they had no running game at all. And then he then he pretty much single-handedly goes in. They beat the Giants. He had that Hail Mary again beating the Giants, a team that had a better roster than him, but you know they had the much better quarterback. That's why they crushed us. And then, uh, then the next game against the Cowboys, he single-handedly makes an unreal throw to Jared Cook. And they win that game. So they move on to the NFC Championship game. And the NFC Championship game, they were just overmatched. They were overmatched against the Falcons. Next year, 17, he gets hurt. And it was a, they were 4-1, and one, probably the best team in the NFC. Them or the Eagles that year were the best team in the NFC. They get He gets hurt. The season completely falls apart. The next year, 2018, he gets hurt opening night. And even in that game, he had that miraculous comeback. Down 20 to nothing against the Bears. Has a miraculous comeback to come back and beat them. And, but then he's just not 100% for that season. The year after, had another really good year under Matt LaFleur. First year, won 13 games, but they just overmatched the NFC title game. And last year, they probably should have been the Super Bowl. If they had a a good number two receiver and a coach that didn't take the ball out of his hands late in the game, they probably beat Tampa, go to the Super Bowl, and they probably end up beating – they probably have a very good chance of beating Kansas City. So for all that's happened in Green Bay, this is not Aaron Rodgers' fault. This is an organization that has failed to put the right pieces around him for years. And that's why he's only he only has one Super Bowl ring. Is he as good as Tom Brady? No, but he should have much more. He should have definitely have more than one Super Bowl ring. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He, he definitely should. And you can even you know for that Tampa game too when they got beaten the hail mary, then the hat and the half too. Like that should have never happened. It's yeah, it's never really been his fault. He's kind of done all he can do in Green Bay, and they yeah, they they haven't helped him. And I saw some this morning that. Um, I guess in their group, in the team text messages, I guess he calls um, the GM, like Jerry Krause of the MJ era out in Chicago. So it kind of shows you, um, what, you know, what he thinks out there. But, yeah, I think for Raj, I don't blame him for wanting to leave. I thought there was no sh- no way he would want to leave. I thought it was more of just after a loss, just frustration. It just kind of – you don't really know what you're saying after a loss like that. So – and especially the way they – you know, took the ball out of his hands in the final possession there. They should have obviously gone for it in the fourth down. But, yeah, I don't I don't blame him. But, now I know this morning the the Packers, I guess, too, now are not happy with the Niners in Denver because they've talked to Aaron Rodgers about going there. Of course so. they're going to talk to him. Of course they're going to talk to him. I think the Niners are out of it now because they, got, they, yeah. they drafted. We'll get to the Niners later. But Denver is a huge, huge favorite to get Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. Looking at their quarterback situation, and they have a roster that if they don't have to give up like Von Miller, that could be a team that could compete with Kansas City. But we'll get to that. But yeah, this is just this is total mismanagement on the on the, on the Packers' part. I mean, after Mike McCarthy gets fired, I like Matt Lafleur, but he's a 
good coach, but he's a he's a B he's a B level head coach. He's not he's not a great. He's, I don't think he'll ever be a great coach. I think a big reason why Matt Lafleur is had success in the league is because he's had Aaron Rodgers. I mean, and, and obviously when it, when it came to making and and it, and it was two decisions last year with Matt Lafleur that were terrible. One, the fact they were in man coverage. You know, and on that Scotty Miller touchdown, yeah. and, they, and they blamed it on they, they, Mike Patton became the scapegoat. Like it made Mike Patton the scapegoat, but you're the head coach. You should make sure, you should call a timeout and not have a team in man coverage in that situation. And then the uh, the, the 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 absolutely pathetic, pathetic decision to kick the field goal. That, that just couldn't have been more yeah. pathetic. That decision. And then Brian Gutekunst, what are you doing drafting a quarterback in the first round when you have a top three quarterback in the league? If if you want to make your court and not even consult him, not even consult him, the Kansas City Chiefs consulted, uh, consulted, talked to Patrick Mahomes about drafting about drafting uh, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. There's nothing in that organization Patrick Mahomes doesn't know. The Buccaneers talked to Tom Brady about you know drafting Kyle Trask. Even the Vikings and even the Vikings, Vikings and 49ers talked to their quarterbacks about drafting other quarterbacks. The Packers didn't do it with theirs, and their quarterback is outstanding. Just, just a terrible way to. It's really a way to just tick your quarterback off. It's, 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 it's just, it's just absolutely, just, just pathetic what's happened in that there. And 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 Green Bay's lucky they've had Aaron Rodgers all these years because if they wouldn't, you'll see what you saw what they were in 2017 without him. You saw what they were in 2013 without him. They were clearly worse when he's not on the field. Oh yeah, 100. percent And you know, I mean, and if it's Jordan Love that takes over because they do, you know, get rid of Rodgers, they're not going to be that good next year. It's in. Again, when you only pick one wide receiver for, you know, in the last like eight years, that's Devontae Adams and that's it. Like they picked one offensive weapon for him. And I know what Rodgers, it's like, okay, he can make up for some of your, you know, kind of flaws on offense. But, and I know they've had some defensive problems over the years. It's been better the last two, three years. But still, you, you have to go out and go get him something. You got to go get him a number two. You would think they would learn the lesson by now, but they, they, they haven't. I mean, I like the Cornell Powell pick in the third, fourth round, but, you know, I, I think he could turn into a decent receiver, but that's not moving the needle, though. Oh, and, and their draft, they had a ton of reaches in their draft. They had a reach in the first round, reach in the second round. I think they, I don't think they drafted well either. I mean, they just didn't, they, I mean, they did take Amari Rodgers in the third round, but still, it, it just, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think they drafted that well either. So, Aaron, this situation with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, I, th- I think it's unrepairable. I think either one thing has to happen. Rodgers is going to have to be traded or Gutekunst has to go. I don't think Gutekunst – I wrote this in my article. I don't think Gutekunst and Rodgers are going to be able to coexist after this. I don't think I, – I think that relationship is broken. One of the two has to go for for, for, for this team to move on. 100%. Yeah, it, they're at a point where yeah, they're, they're, it's beyond repair, repairable. Um, it, it's – you know, for the Packers, I think you would have to get rid of um, Gutekunst. You would, you would think to keep your butt – again – that's I know he says it makes him happy, but how how much longer will make him happy? You know, if they lose again the NFC title game, he may want out next year. It, you know, he may want to go win one more. He, good, he may feel like he want to take out a better chance somewhere else. Good question, Jay Sass. Could the Giants use those two first round picks next year to get Rodgers? Ah, without question. I, I, honestly, I don't even care what kind of season Daniel Jones has had. I will take Aaron Rodgers. I will give up those two first-round picks in a heartbeat to get Aaron Rodgers. You're a super. That team's a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers. You don't really know what that team is with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has been inconsistent the first two years of his career. If the Giants had the opportunity to get Aaron Rodgers, say Daniel Jones, say they go like you know ten and even if they go like ten and seven, Jones, you know, it was the team was kind of carried by the defense. They they get they get they they win the division, losing the first round. 
I'm definitely trying to go after Aaron Rodgers. You're definitely you're definitely trying to get better at that position. There's very few teams in the league that shouldn't want Aaron Rodgers on their team. I mean, obviously Tampa Bay, no. Kansas City, no. Maybe Seattle, no. But if you're not, you know, one of those, you know, four, four teams in this league, you should definitely be. I mean, and, and you know, the teams with the younger quarterbacks like the Chargers with Justin Herbert. But if you're not one of those teams, you got you you got to be looking at getting getting Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he, the guy the guy's outside of Tom Brady, he's one of the biggest erasers in the NFL, and it was proven the two years he was hurt. I mean, the two years he was hurt. Look at the Packers' records, and the one year he was completely banged, tried to play hurt that 2018 season. Look at what the, what the Packers were. They were not they were not that they were not good. At, they were not they were an under 500 team. So if you're if you're the Giants, absolutely, I'm giving up those two, two first round picks and a heartbeat to get Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because it's a deep, it's a deep draft. Most more than likely, if, you know, the juniors come out who, who should. It's going to be deep. Um, you know, yeah, two first rounders. I, I think you would have to. I, you know, especially yeah, Jones has another kind of up and down year in a division where it's so winnable. If they get Rodgers again, they should win. You know, 13, 13 games at division right now, which. You know, who knows from a year now where they're where they're at, but still, it, again, that 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 division, the Giants would easily breeze by it with Aaron Rodgers running running the offense. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, especially with what they've got on offense with with Kenny Galladay. With uh, they had a, obviously Cadavius Tony in the draft. I mean, I think, I mean, yeah, I would I would give up the. I mean, the, even now, even now, I give up those yeah. two first round picks. Now, I don't care about the. I mean, come on. I'm sorry. Daniel Jones has not shown to me that he could be an elite quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a top is an MVP last year. If I had the option to give up those two first round picks for Aaron Rodgers, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. 100%. You know, you got a chance to have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. You know, he, he's up there in age, but still, you know, you looked at his MVP season last year and he looks, you know, still in his prime. You know, I don't think he's going to be 45 and Tom Brady playing, but look, you know, I think he could get up there to 40, 41. Oh, I think and, 40, 41, 42. Absolutely. Yeah, so again, that's you know another three, four years of Aaron Rodgers. I think it, it it'd be worth it. It'd definitely be worth it. To give that up if you're the Giants. Absolutely, absolutely. We look at some of the other teams too because we talked about the Giants. They were on my list. They were on the five teams on my list. They were one of them. And the other teams were Denver is the obvious one. Denver's like the obvious choice. I mean, you know their quarterback situation. They got cap space. That's the obvious choice. Another sneaky one is the Washington Football Team. And let me tell you, if the Washington Football Team gets Aaron Rodgers. It's game over. It is over, especially if they can keep everyone on that defensive line. If they can keep Chase Young. They can keep Montez Sweat. They can keep Payne. They could keep uh, Jonathan Allen. It's game over. If they could, if they could keep, if they if they get Aaron Rodgers, they're, they'll easily win the NFC East without question. I mean, they're almost the favorite with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Imagine what they would be with Aaron Rodgers. Other teams too, Miami, but that's a tricky one because I think they might be sticking with Tua. But if you got the chance to get Aaron Rodgers, you, again, you ship Tua, you ship Tua to Green Bay. And you get Aaron Rodgers, and you and you're right there. You're you're right there, or better than the Bills, and you're you're definitely a top team in the AFC. And then my last one's Cleveland, and I think if Cleveland got Aaron Rodgers, they would be the best team in the AFC. The AFC because it's just how good that roster is. And you saw what they did in the draft, getting uh getting Greg Newsom and getting that linebacker from Notre Dame. If they got, if they got Aaron Rodgers, they would have the they would they would probably be the best team in the AFC. They'd be better than the Chiefs if they somehow got him. Now it's a long shot they would get him, but that that but. If 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 the if the Browns got him, they would they would be better than the Chiefs. Oh yeah, Cleveland did that with that roster, yeah. And with the way, yeah, because I'm like they they had a chance of going to KC. They had the ball kind of with the chance to take the lead late in that game. They only came up short, but you know, yeah, they had him, um, Rogers versus Mahomes. Cleveland being like the best, you know, would be crazy. But 
I, um, it's obviously, it's definitely a long shot, but that, that'd be an interesting one with the weapons they have seeing him and Odell would be a very interesting combo, but that'd be a really good combo. If, you know, hopefully Odell could stay on the field, um, for the Denver one. Yeah. It's the most obvious one that division would be insane. If Herbert Mahomes and Rogers and the, the poor, poor Raiders with Derek Carr, um, that, that I know the Raiders would be screwed if if Rodgers went to Denver, and I think that and I'm, I'm that's my favorite right now. Yeah, no, that's mine too. Yeah, that'd be an absolute gauntlet to go through. Um, I I do think they're the favorite right now. They he would be their their um Peyton Manning from a few years ago. They, they're just a quarterback away. Absolutely, Obviously, completely agree. And now their team isn't as good, but yeah, yeah. absolutely, he would be like Peyton Manning going there. That's a great comparison. Yeah, you know, I know you know. He's still different level right now than what Manning was when he went to Denver, but um, yeah, he he definitely would be kind of that yeah that one piece they need at quarterback with all those young offensive weapons they have. That would be fun to watch Rodgers out there. Um, Miami, yeah, that that's that's an interesting if Tua there. Yeah, I mean if Rodgers can can, can, can uh, that, yeah, and we'll go to where where we think Rodgers is going to go to. I think Rodgers easily ends up. I think I think it's pretty obvious. I think the team, if he gets traded, I think it's the Broncos. And say he gets added to the Broncos, you know, you, 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 with the running game, you added Javante Williams, you added a, you added you know, still Melvin Gordon, receivers. You got you got a uh, Cortland Sutton coming back, KJ KJ Hamler, uh, Jerry Judy, uh, and 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 the offensive line with Garrett Bowles, who was one of the top left tackles last year. So you have a you did lose Juwan James for the season yesterday, but you do have one of the best left tackles in the league in Garrett Bowles on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, if they don't have to give up Von Miller, that'd be great. If they, they would have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. You got a good secondary. You added Patrick Sertan. You got one of the best safeties in the league in Justin Simmons. And you got a – and you got a, a – uh, you, you talked out of Garrett Bowles. Jay's had to get that one in. But, yeah, I mean, if you look at secondary, you got a Patrick Sertan, Kyle Fuller, and uh, and Justin Simmons. So, if he goes to the Broncos, they would be a Super Bowl contender. And that's, that's a team where I think he's going to end up playing starting in 2021 i think he's gonna be a bronco that's my prediction yeah i'm with you too i it just it makes the most sense he wants to go out west it may not be the west coast beautiful california but it's still denver they they have uh, some stuff to give up they have the cap room i you know are they're pretty you know or they have to move around a little bit but they could you know pay most of that contract they have to um yeah it it seems really obvious that it that it green bay does pull the you know Pull the trigger on this and be Denver. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. And we're going to be talking about it for a while. but Because I don't think the Packers are going to trade him immediately, but I think it's probably going to be in the best interest of the Packers if he's so unhappy to try to get some value and get rid of him and move on and play Jordan Love. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But the draft was last Thursday, and we got to, we got to recap it. And we'll start with the first round. We'll start with the first round. And and uh, obviously, we knew what the first two picks were going to be with Lawrence and Wilson. We knew that was going to happen. The draft began at three, and there was a little bit of a surprise. A lot of people thought thought that, thought the 49ers were going to take Mac Jones, but Kyle Shanahan, who wanted Mac Jones, listened to listened to John Lynch, listened to his personnel, and took Trey Lance. And I think that's the be- I think for them, that's the better move. I think. Uh, I think he's the more mobile quarterback. I think he's got the better arm. And I think he's got the better upside. And if he, if he sits there and learns under Jimmy G, I think he, he could be a really, really good player, especially in Kyle Shanahan's system. Looking at some of the other guys that were drafted, too, at number four, the Falcons, they went with the best player available, the lock, the, the player that's probably get the slam dunk in this draft, Kyle Pitts. The Bengals, instead of going with the tackle, be, ended up going with uh, Jamar Chase with the, to have that chemistry between Joe Burrow and uh, 
and Jamar Chase. So that's what they decided to do there. Uh, so then, uh, let me think. Uh, Jalen Waddle for the yeah, for the Dolphins. You got Jalen Waddle there. Obviously, the Lions end up taking Sewell, and then I think, and then the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers ended up. They got J.C. Horn to uh, to to upgrade their corner position, and then uh, and then the most the thing that was kind of a head scratcher was the Cowboys, the Eagles trading up with the Cowboys, and the Eagles because you know the Giants wanted Devontae Smith. Oh, yeah. That was the move. That's who they wanted, and the Eagles ended up getting Devontae Smith, putting putting uh, uh, Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith together. So you got a couple guys who played together in college. You got uh you got Joe Burrow and uh you got Joe Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase. You got. Uh, Tua and Jalen Waddle, and you got Jalen Hurts, and you got a uh, Devontae Smith. So you got three guys that three quarterbacks that played with their receivers in college. So that, that was interesting there. And then looking at the Giants, where they were going to do eleven, and they probably felt at eleven that it really wasn't a guy they wanted to take there. I thought it could have been Micah Parsons or Rashawn Slater, but they they chose not to do that. They chose to trade down with the Bears, and I like what the Bears did. I think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy could have saved their jobs to draft Justin Fields. And I don't want to hear the BS about Justin Fields not playing right away. I think he's going to be the day one starter. The, Ryan Pace, it might not be the best thing for Justin Fields, but Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's jobs are on the line. I think they got to start They got to start Justin Fields day one. So I think he would be the day one starter. And then your team, you know, they got they got the quarterback, which I'm not that high on, to be honest. I'm not that high on him going to New England. Honestly, I think this is a league where you need to have mobility. And this Mac Jones has not proven that he can play from behind. So if you're playing a game against the, the Bills, you're playing a game against the Dolphins, you're down two scores. And that and and he's got to, and he's got to bring you back from from two scores down. I just don't feel like Mac Jones is that guy. I felt like Justin Fields could have been that guy. I felt like he was the guy with the big arm. I thought he was the the guy who could you know who who could uh who could push the ball down the field. I just don't think Mac Jones is that guy. So the Patriots, I think they got I think they got the guy with the least upside in the draft. Yeah, he may end up being better. May it may end up being better than you know Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson's in a better better situation. He may end up being better than Trey Lance because Trey Lance is raw, but. I think, in my opinion, Mac Jones is going to be the worst quarterback in this draft, and I think that's what the Patriots ended up doing. If I was the Patriots, I would have traded up to go get Justin Fields. So, uh, Justin, what are your thoughts on the first 15 picks of the draft? Um, yeah, obviously one and two were most obvious ones. Trey Lance was you know, kind of a surprise because you know, everyone thought it was Mac Jones. But, yeah, obviously it's going to help Trey Lance to kind of learn, get some experience under Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, yeah, he's mobile. Um, accurate he doesn't turn the football over so that you know we'll see how that ends up working out out in the bay Kyle Pitts I think yeah it's definitely the like the lock here I as a tight end that's six six they can run like a wide receiver with all these weapons too that Atlanta has you know I they should be able to put up you know four touchdowns easily every Sunday afternoon um he should be fun to watch Jamar Chase I heard Joe Burrow texted Jamar Chase Wednesday morning saying uh pack your bag to come to Cincy Joe so they, Burrow they had it. Joe Burrow had input oh, yeah. and that's another reason you gotta give yeah. your quarterback input these days Joe Burrow had input with with what he wanted yeah you know if he if he now now if he if he gets hurt again it's yeah. kind of on him because that's what he wanted and and uh, Jace puts a comment now Zach Wilson is in a great situation I love what the Jets did the whole left side is is uh steered up with uh Becton and yeah, no, I think the Jets. No, I think Joe Douglas right now it looks like Joe Douglas did a really good job seeing these guys' projections. I mean, like getting Elijah Moore, getting uh, uh, trading up for Vieira Tucker. I think Zach Wilson is definitely here's here's the one thing I'll say Zach Wilson is definitely in a much better has a much better chance to succeed than Sam Darnold the way they've set things up for him. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, so the, again, it wasn't fair what they did to Darnold with 
the, you know, obviously Adam Gates was awful. His OC from um, under Tom Bowles his first year is nowhere. He's not even in the league anymore. Yeah, they didn't really do much at all to try to help Sam Darnold his three years. And, yeah, Zach Wilson, they gave him some weapons. I love Elijah Moore coming out of Old Miss. Corey Davis is, you know, I know I think they signed him for like one, one or two years. And he signed. I know he's not the greatest number one, but he's better than what they've had the last years. And then Michael Carter as well out of the backfield because they desperately need a running back as well. So, yeah, I, I thought the Jets had a really, really good draft. And I know that's kind of Joe Douglas' specialty is being able to draft. So this class comes together like they should. You know, the, the Jets are not going to be as bad as they've been the last few years, I feel like. It's all going to come um, down to Zach Wilson. It's all going to yeah. come down to Zach Wilson. Can Zach Wilson play? I mean, I think a lot of a lot of guys love him because of, you know, he's so – and the biggest thing why people love Zach Wilson is, is his, his accuracy under pressure. And in this NFL where offensive lines are just not as good as they used to be, you have to be good under pressure. you got to be able to extend plays. And to, to go to your quarterback, that's the problem with your quarterback. I think your quarterback has a probably going to have a problem. And he has a good offensive line and a good running game. I think that's going to help him early on. But – is the problem that the, he's got to be able to extend plays because he's not, it's going to be so hard to become Tom Brady at the line of scrimmage. It's going to be so hard. You, you're just, and the thing is, is you're just not going to have the confidence. He's not going to be able to succeed under pressure and, and he's going to be under pressure. And, and I just think, I just, I, if I'm the Patriots, I would have taken Justin Fields there. I just, I just don't, I think Mac Jones, I think the best place would have been for San Francisco because he would have been in the best offensive scheme. I think New England, they have a good scheme. It's not Kyle Shanahan. The big reason why the Patriots had all the success offensively is not because of, the, because of their system offensively. It's because they had the greatest quarterback to ever do it for so long. Belichick is not an offensive head coach. He's a defensive head coach. Belichick doesn't make quarterbacks great. You saw that last year with Cam Newton. Cam Newton looked absolutely terrible at times under Bill Belichick. So I don't think it's the I don't think it's the I don't think it's the system in New England. I think it was Tom Brady in New England. And uh, I think more in, in, with a team like the 49ers, I feel like it's more of the system uh, than, than, it is, than it is the player. But in New England, it was more of the player. So that's why I, I just, I'm just not high on Mac Jones. And I think out of these five quarterbacks, I think he's going to be the worst guy. I'm excited for Mac Jones. I really am. Of course. Now, yeah. what I was reading, it was Mac Jones all along. They just kind of used a smoke screen for Justin for Fields. For Justin Fields. Bill, yeah. Uh, Bill's Bill always gonna... wanted Mac. I think Bill should have decided to trade up there and get Justin Fields, in my opinion. But he always wanted Mac because you know yeah. they could run, you know, what McDaniel's wants to do. But McDaniel's, he's a good, he's a very good OC. He's not Kyle Shanahan, okay? He's not. No, no, he's not. Yeah, no, he's not an offense. You know, yeah, he he runs a good offense, but it's not like Shanahan or Sean um, Payne or Andy Reid. He's not one of those three guys. No, and if he was, he'd have a head coaching job again. I know he's had the chance, and I know he's turned it down. I know it's kind of sounds like he's a coach and waiting, but he's had other opportunities. Um, but look, I know Mac Jones doesn't fit today's NFL type of, you know, the quarterback nowadays. Um, obviously, yeah, obviously he's not going to be no Tom Brady under center, or, you know, with the reads or, you know, or before the, before the snap, he's there, you know, obviously he's going to be nowhere near Tom Brady. And I don't think, anybody will ever reach Tom Brady's level ever again. And for the snap of the ball, him or Peyton Manning, no way, no way. No one will ever do that. No, no, there's no way. And especially all these mobile guys now too coming up. And I, you know, with our running game, with our line, again, I think he's going to struggle until we get some more weapons because Nelson Aguilar is not a number one. Kendrick no. Moore's not a number two. He's not a good enough number two. I mean, you spent a lot of money. You spent a lot of money on decent players, but not great players. There's a reason, you know, 
Nelson Aguilar's a free agent. There's a reason Hunter Henry's a free agent. There's a reason Jonah Smith's a free agent. There's a reason those guys are free agents. They are better than what you had last year, but they're not. None of them are guys you have the game plan for. No, no, and that that that's a problem. And I think you know, I think if they can give them some more guys, I like our running back room. What we have, but I mean, yeah, Damian I, Harris had a good year last year. I agree. Yeah. He did, you know, he, and you he know, came and you know, Bill is going to use a fullback. You know, oh, he's yeah. going to he's going to want to run the ball. You know, you know, you know, Bills and Josh are going to use a fullback in that offense. Yep, the only they're really the only team nowadays. Them, them, the, the, them, Niners, like, the Ravens, and the Niners. Oh, the Ravens use one too. Oh, yeah, um, they drafted the kid. Yeah. From, they actually drafted the kid from uh, Newtown in the fifth round. Ben oh, Mason. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, he did. They did. Um, Jay, the uh, the Patriots number one and two receivers are yeah. He's probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, kind of how they were built in, in a, a kind of very similar how they were built in a 2010 with, with Gronk and Hernandez. Even though I don't think those guys are even close to as good as Gronk and Hernandez. Similar how they were built in 2010. Yeah, they, yeah. And, you know, that's kind of when their offense was, you know, they were, I, I, I miss those days of the two tight end sets that they had. You know, last year was not great. It'll be a lot I of, think tw- that- yeah, they'll play a lot of 12 personnel with the two tight ends and run the football. That's going to be their, that's going to be what they're going to do on offense this year. Yeah, and I, and I think that, yeah, does fit Mac Jones. But, yes, I do have concerns that, yeah, they do fall behind. They have to throw the ball. That's when I do – I do have con- concerns. I hope with McDaniels – again, even having Cam in that room, I hope, they you know, they can work on him with that. I, I hope – you know, I don't think he's going to be our day one starter. I think Cam's going to probably start the first few weeks. But um, I, I like him coming from Saban. He was in a – you know, obviously coming from Alabama. He's a winner. Now coming to New England, a, a, a franchise that has won a lot the last 20 years. Again, he kind of knows he he knows you know how to perform in kind of the bright lights and all that. So I think he's going to do better than some of the Al- other Alabama quarterbacks have been drafted, like the McCarrens, you know, the John Parker Wilson, uh, Greg McElroy. I think he's going to do better than those guys. But yeah, I don't think he's going to be you know top five, maybe not even top ten, maybe borderline top ten. I'm hope you know top fifteen. Somewhere around there, I'm, I'm thinking probably where he's going to peak at. Yeah, I think top 15. But with your coaching staff, I think that could be good enough to compete for a championship if, yeah. if he is top 15. I, I, I don't honestly, I don't even think he's going to be top 15. I think he's going to be, you know, average to below average. I, I even, but with your staff, if he ends up, you know, if I end up being wrong and he ends up being a top 10, top 15 quarterback, that's still good enough to, you know, to, to compete to compete with, uh, with, with how good your coaching staff is because you know your yeah. coaching staff is going to steal a game or two every year. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. Now this leads yeah, me. Yeah. We were talking about Cam, and we we're talking about Mac Jones. This leads me to this question: You watched, you watched a ton of Cam Newton last year. You watched probably every snap of Cam Newton. When do you think Mac Jones is going to take the is going to take the job from him? What week? As a Patriot fan, what week do you think that Mac Jones is going to take the job from him? So I think it's either going to be the after the bye week. I know we'll find out next weekend, or if they have like a late bye, like a week 10, 11, somewhere around there. I think it'd be like week seven or eight. Like I think he takes over around the halfway point. Unless it can't come down, he looks like he did the first two weeks, which again, I, I don't think there's any way we'd see that performance again. Uh, but I think it's something like they did with Fitzpatrick and Tua last year. I think, you know, till the bye and then it's Mac Jones, you know, if Cam's really struggling it, especially if it's like where the defense is playing well and they're just losing games like 20 to 17 and they just can't get it done. I'd rather see Mac Jones, but I think for the first few weeks we're probably gonna they're probably gonna give Cam Newton um, some some opportunities. 
Oh, oh, oh I, I, absolutely. I think Cam will start the season. I could see it being as early as week three. I could see if they start 0-2, I think Mac Jones is in. I think they're because they're not going to afford to start 0-3 because it's so tough to make the playoffs at 0-3. I think if they get off to a really slow start, like an 0-2 start, I could see Mac Jones being the starter in week three. Now, obviously, we'll see the schedule next week, and we'll be definitely discussing the schedule next week. Uh, we won't, unfortunately, we'll come out and t- come out after our yeah. show, but we'll discuss the opponents. But, but yeah, I, I could see, you know, you know, you know, if they start, you know, Owen, 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 two, I could see Mac Jones be on the field in week three. And I see every quarterback, I will guarantee you this, every quarterback out, outside. And here's a comment from Chase. It will, it will, it will be a Tyrod Herbert situation. Cam will get injured, hopefully not by the training staff and Mac Jones will take <laughs> over. Yeah. I mean, we'll, I can we'll, see, we'll, I can see something like that too. Yeah, yeah, it could it could be similar. It could be similar. I think I think, but in my opinion, I think if Cam plays poorly the first two weeks, I think Mac Jones is in. And here's the thing with every quarterback: there's a guarantee outside of Trey Lance, every quarterback will step on the field next year. That's a guarantee. I think every quarterback will step on the field. Obviously, Lawrence and Wilson will be day one starters. Uh, Justin Fields should get should be the day one starter in Chicago, uh, and uh, Mac Jones. We'll see what ends up happening, but I think he gets on the field. I think he definitely plays at least half the games for the Patriots next year. And even Trey Lance, because Jimmy Garoppolo is it, he has gotten hurt so many times. But if Garoppolo stays healthy, I think he's good enough to keep Lance off the field for, for, for this year. But obviously, Lance will be the Niner starter in 2022. And so now we'll talk about the quarterbacks. Assuming that Trevor Lawrence is the best best quarterback in class. That's what I'm assuming. I feel like you're assuming the same. Yeah. The, the same. Who do you think is going to be the second best quarterback in the class? I think it's going to be Trey Lance because of where he went to, because of the system with Kyle Shanahan, because of the running game, because of his athleticism, because of his arm strength. It was close for me between Fields and and Lance, but just because of the coaching and the situation and the roster that uh, that uh, Trey Lance has around him, I'm going to go with Trey Lance to be uh, being that second best quarterback. Who do you got being the second best quarterback in the class? I have Justin Fields. It was close to between, you know, him and Lance and Wilson. I was thinking, you know, Wilson could maybe be that guy. And I know Justin Fields is not going to the best situation in Chicago with that offensive line. I know he could scramble, but still that that offensive line was putrid. I know they don't have much weapons. Um, I I do, you know, um, I like Desi Newsom. Maybe he could be like that last year's Darnell uh, Mooney form, but um, – I know they don't have a lot right now, but their defense is good. I um, Again, I know because he's got to get a little bit pre- – I thought he got better against the pressure last year as the season went on. Like that game against Clemson, uh, again, with after that injury, he was unbelievable. I know he showed in the Alabama game. But this is a guy that really has a chip on his shoulder. And I think he's the – you know, Chicago's – First time, like, they've had a franchise quarterback since, like, what, the 80s? I'm like, unless you really want to say Jage Cutler. Um, I, you know, again, obviously. Maybe Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon would be. But Jim McMahon wasn't great either. Jim McMahon was carried by that defense. He was carried by Walter Payton. So, if you could argue maybe Jim McMahon because he won a Super Bowl. But this may be the first franchise quarterback the Bears have had in forever. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it it will be. And I I think he's the one um, that's going to be able to do it. Look, you know, I thought the Bears just because they got Fields, I thought it was a, it was the Bears that you know had one of the best drafts to be able to get him. Um, I you know right now I know they say he's quarterback three, and with Dalton and and Foles, I think they're going to struggle just because they're not mobile. I think Fields could have a little bit more more success off the bat because he can run a little bit. You know, obviously he can't take a million hits, which he may next year, but with that. 
but I, I think Fields has a lot of potential. Um, you know, I I don't think he's gonna shy away, and I, I love to watch him at Ohio State, and I think he kind of. I know a lot of people say, well, he went to Ohio State. Um, Jason's kind. Do not. Yeah. I, Justin Field could not step on the field until 2023, and he'll still. Be, <laughs> that's a funny one. That's a funny one. Yeah, you know, you're probably right about that. He's yeah. definitely right about that one. Yeah, he probably is. But um, um, oh yeah, I, I think he's gonna. I I think he's gonna have a really. I think he could have a really good career in Chicago or, or you know wherever he goes. I, I think he's a one here because look with the Bears defense too right now, he doesn't need to put up 30 points. As long as he can get 24, 20, you know, somewhere around there, I think they can win games, and I think he'd be good enough to help them win games early on. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it, the Bears don't have the greatest roster, but they do have a good defense, and David Montgomery came on, and Allen Robinson had a really good year. So I think, you know, in that division, if Aaron Rodgers goes, it's yeah. wide open. So if I'm Matt Nagy and I'm Ryan Pace, I'm playing Justin Fields right away to get, because you're not winning anything with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is not – he put up some numbers in Dallas late in the season, but he's an average – he's a below-average quarterback right now, and I'm not playing Andy Dalton. I'm playing Justin Fields right away because I feel like Justin Fields gives you the best chance to win right now. And and Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace need a guy that's going to give them the best chance to win right now, and I think that's Justin Fields. And the way I see these quarterbacks, I think Trevor Lawrence is, could, has the potential of being top five. I think the other four are potential to be top ten depending on their situation. I, I love the situation Trey Lance is in. Uh, I mean, obviously, Justin Fields, I think, has a very good chance of being top ten. Zach Wilson, I just don't trust the Jets organization yet, but I think he could be because I feel like the Jets have made some good moves, but we're not sure yet if those Jets moves are going to pan out. And the guy I have the lowest ceiling for is Mac Jones just because, you know, you know, not mobile, you know, not the greatest their greatest arm. You know, he's, he's obviously he's got the best coaching staff, I mean, overall coaching staff in the league, in my opinion. Not the best offensive coaching staff. That's San Francisco. That's New Orleans. But I think he's got the best coaching staff in the league. So I think he could be okay. But I don't know. But he is the guy that I, I would if, – if, if one guy doesn't become a franchise quarterback out of this class, to me, it would be Mac Jones. Yeah, for me, I don't you know. I, I think him and Wilson, I think, you know, could be, yeah, the lowest ones out of this one, uh, out of this draft class. I hate to say Mac Jones right now just because I, I think all four of these guys, because, yes, they, they're all mobile, and I think they could all potentially be top ten. And, yeah, I think at best Mac Jones could maybe sneak into the top ten. But, obviously, you don't see it anymore. You don't see it much anymore. You know, and I don't think there's a lot – Young guys gonna be able to do it, so I hate to say it, but yeah, I think Mac Jones is gonna have the lowest ceiling, but I still think he's gonna have a good career in New England. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with Mac Jones in New England. Before we talk about the Giants draft pick, first round pick, we'll talk about you know the uh, the, the, the the player the player we think thing is gonna be the sure thing in this draft, and the player and the guy who we think was the biggest reach in this draft. And I think it was pretty obvious for me. It was Kyle Pitts of the Falcons. I think he's the most sure thing. I think he's going to be walk right into the league and be a top four tight end with Darren Waller, with George Kittle, and with Travis Kelsey. And I think the biggest reach is obviously uh, Alex Leatherwood for for uh, for the Raiders. I think the Raiders clearly do not know how to draft first draft guys in the first round. I mean, it's proven. Cleveland Furl number four, Damon Arnett last year. Now this now now this guy uh, Leatherwood in the first round. They have another bad year. I think Mike Mayock and John Gruden need to get fired. These guys, they're failing Derek Carr there. These guys do not know how to, how to draft first draft guys in the first round. Yeah. Um, for me, yeah, I think Pitts is the biggest, biggest lock. There's just, there's, you know, a tight end that this, yeah, that's going to be this good. Oh, um, oh, give me a break, Jace. Please, please. Alex Weatherwood is a beast, but 
if they swapped first and second round picks, they would be, oh, give me a break about Alex Leatherwood. Uh, you know, Kuiper and McShay were saying he was a mid-second round to third round pick. That's a total reach. Give me a break about that, Jace. Come on now. That you know, I'll go because I'll, I'll say what I have on that second. But with Pitts, I I think he's going to be a beast. I think yeah, I think he's going to be one of the top tight ends in the league right away. I think he could win rookie of the year, or you know, but yeah, I think he could win rookie the offensive rookie player of the year. Um, he's going to be really really good. And yeah, the Raiders. I thought Leather was was a reach. Um, he's a guy they could have got at fifty. You know, they and they could have drafted Trevor Morning at um number seventeen. But that's the thing with John Gruden, though. John Gruden wants to outsmart you. John Gruden wants to make that pick. And then so, you know, in 10, 15 years, he looks like the smartest man in the room. That's what John Gruden wants to do. And the thing is, he's not going to get – he's got six years left in his contract. Oh, it's that it shows, you, shows you how bad that organization is. I mean, thank God they have, they have a legitimate quarterback in Derek Carr and they had, had uh, Josh Jacobs because that organization would be in big trouble if they didn't have those guys because their defense is absolutely terrible and they can't draft guys on the defense either. No, no that's been the problem. Yeah, Arnetti last year was the 99th ranked overall prospect. Like, And he didn't have a great year. They, they reach every year. And this was an 8-8 eight eight team last year. It was very lucky they weren't 6-10. and 10. They should have lost the Jets, and they should have lost the Broncos in that last game. I mean, I mean, I mean, this is a team that showed that, you know, they put all their energy into beating Kansas City. I mean, we know that. They want to put all their energy into beating Kansas City, but they can't even show up to play the Jets. I mean, that's the problem with this team. Yeah, that's that's been the, that's been the problem all these years. Um, they just, yeah, they just do not show up in, uh, in a game they should win. They choke it, but uh, – yeah, I, I think that was the biggest reach. I know JT was probably yeah, he was probably the best offensive line. And it, yeah, with the best offensive line, but he does not I, have I, the NFL upside of being the best offensive yeah. lineman. I'm giving that the penny soul. Yeah, or Rashawn Slater. Yeah, yeah, I had one of those two. I like even um Jenkins when going to Chicago. Yeah. Like they they got him late. I think he could yeah. be really solid again. They they need him in Chicago this year, so I think one of those Jenkins could be one of those top guys too. Yeah, yeah. We're going to call a little bit of an audible here. We're going to wait to talk about the Giants pick when we talk about the entire Giants draft. We'll call an audible. We'll move on to the second the second and third rounds. And uh, talk. We'll first talk about the quarterbacks. Obviously, the last pick of the second round, Kyle Trask was taken by the Bucs. Uh, we had Kellamon taken by the Vikings. Then we had Davis. We had, uh, we had Davis, Davis Mills. That's his name, right? Yeah, Davis Mills. Davis Mills taken by the, uh, by the, by the uh, Texans. So, Justin, out of those three quarterbacks, which one of them has the best chance of succeeding out of those three guys taken in the second and third rounds? It was tough between all three of them for me, but I'm going to go Kellen Mond because I think he's got the athleticism. He's got the NFL arm. Um, you know, he's got the strength. Again, he's developed, I think, you know, under Jimbo Fisher, Fisher, he got better in the pocket developing that game. So he can, you know, and he's and he's also very good at awareness too of when the pocket's collapsing on him, when to get rid of the ball, when to take off and run. He's got good awareness of that too. I know right now he's probably not going to play right away with Kirk Cousins, but at some point I would think the Vikings are going to cut loose with him. And I think his style fits fits the NFL culture nowadays, as we've been talking about, with the running style of the quarterback. Um, and he's also good at um, being in the tight windows, too. He's also um, pretty good at that. So I, I think it's Kelman um, that's going to be out of those three the one that could have the most most success in the NFL. What does he need to improve on to be a starter in the NFL? Um, I think the, um, the one thing he's got to get a little bit better at is the um, 
is his accuracy a little bit. I, he had a couple interceptions um, last year. I know early on he struggled early on in the year with um, – they had so many younger guys that he, he kind of missed some throws. But I think he got a little bit better throughout the year with that. They just had so many younger guys. But if he, you know, if he make, makes the throws that he needs to, I think he could have good success. It's just a little bit more – of the accuracy at times is a little off, but other than that, you know, it really, it's kind of the big, um, the biggest kind of thing on him or biggest, um, kind of flaw for him right now. And then Chase made a comment. If Tom Brady can give Trask a fraction of his pre-snap recognition, Trask will call, will be a quality QB in this league for years. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody better to learn from than than Tom Brady. I, I I get that, but I just think Trask in this league. I mean, he had again, he had Kadavius Tony, and he had Kyle, and he had a Kyle Pitts on his team in college. I just don't know, you know, you know how successful with his lack of mobility he's going to be in this league. I mean, yes, learning from Tom Brady gives him a chance, but I just don't know how successful Kyle Trask is going to be in this league, uh, not being a mobile quarterback. So we'll look at we'll, we'll go we'll uh, we'll keep talking about the second round and I got a couple questions for you Justin there. Uh, which player on offense and which player on defense do you think that was taken in the second and the third round is going to be a perennial Pro Bowler? Um, I think I think it's going to be Elijah Moore. I they can go in thirty four to the New York Jets. He's a guy kind of kind of like a Jamison Crowder type, you know, like five nine. Um, he, I think early on he's going to be like the third down option for him. Um. Mostly you want to play the slot, but also you can kind of play outside. He just has – he's just so quick. I think he ran a 4.35 at the Ole Miss Pro Day. Um, and Ole Miss wide receivers last year have had really good success coming in the NFL. Oh, yeah, DK Metcalf and uh, A.J. Brown. The thing, though, is he's a little bit smaller than those two guys. Yeah, and he's 5'9", somewhere around there. Yeah, so he is small, but he's not afraid to take a hit. And I know – I think, you know, he had that one incident at Ole Miss – that in the Egg Bowl a couple of Thanksgivings ago hit that, you know, touchdown celebration incident. But other than that, he's been phenomenal. He's, you know, worked through that. I know that was something a lot of people kind of beginning of last year were not sure how he was going to handle that. But um, he was a big part of the Ole Miss offense last year. That was really, really explosive. I think, you know, this is a nice get for Zach Wilson, who could throw the deep ball. And Elijah Moore is a very good deep threat. Absolutely, absolutely. What about on defense in the second and third round? Who is that perennial Pro Bowler? You would, you, you would, you would say. I think it's Richie Grant going to Atlanta. Ooh, ooh, that's a surprising I, one. Yeah, I will. I think because Atlanta needs a, obviously they need help in the secondary, but he's but he's very experienced. He played three years as a starter um, out in UCF. He had three interceptions last year, but he can cover the slot. Um, he can also play in the box a bit too. Uh, he's going to be the day one starter. He loves to hit. Um, had a ton of ton of ton of tackles last year at UCF. Um, he likes to get he likes to get dirty, you know, um, physically. So I, I think it was a very smart pick for Land in that secondary because I, I think he's going to make a pretty good impression uh, right off the bat. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Going to the fourth and seventh round, I'll, I'll, I'll you know I'll, I kind of ask the same question a little bit different though. I'll ask from from those from the day three picks, the fourth through the seventh round. Who is a guy who could be who are a guy on offense and a guy on defense who could be a solid starter who could for the like the next five years who could help their team for the next five years like a solid not a Pro Bowler but a solid starter? I have Jabril also defense side. I'll go Jabril Cox going to Dallas linebacker. 
I know they got Mika Parsons as well, linebacker, but he's another guy that mock drafts in the beginning of the year had him going in the first round. You know, transferring from North Dakota State to LSU, he had a, you know, he was one of the bright spots on this defense, on that LSU defense last year that was absolutely atrocious. Um, he played well, and I think, you know, um, he's another guy too. He could all, he can play on special teams too, and I think that's something he may do the first few years. Um, but he loves to make the big plays. He's got to work a little bit more, kind of getting quicker of identifying run of the pass. But he's good when he figures it out. He's really good at stuff in the run, and he can even play in coverage a bit too. Um, you know, so I think he's a guy for Dallas. I could be could be a day three starter. Could kind of, could be a steal for the Dallas Cowboys. Not good, not good for us. That's not good news for us. But you know, you know, that's not good for news for us. And I'm telling you. Here's the thing about the Cowboys. If somehow that defense is just like in the middle of the pack, I think they – I hate to say it, I think they win the division. If that if Cox and Parsons pan out as linebackers, and then you got you got Van Der Esch, you got Jalen Smith, that's a lot of depth of that linebacker position. Even though Van Der Esch and Smith haven't played as well the last couple of years, that's a lot of depth of that linebacker position. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, for a defense that, that needs a lot of it, and if they get those guys healthy, they, they have depth. And, yeah, with their offense, they, that, that – you know, if their defense gets decent, if Cox and Parsons kind of develop the way they should, yeah, I could I could see Dallas winning nine, ten games and, and being being able to win that division. It's you know, wouldn't surprise me. Oh yeah, I mean, listen, I'm still hanging on to my Giants win the division prediction, yeah. but Dallas is going to be right there with them. I think it's it's going to be a close race right till the end. I mean, you know, nine, ten wins, those two teams are going to be neck and neck right till the end. I think that's a big reason why Dallas didn't mind, you know, trading down with Philadelphia because they I think they feel like Philadelphia is not going to be as good as us. So I think. I think uh, I think Dallas and the Giants will be neck and neck. You got another comment from Jace. You could have Ray Lewis and Brian Lurkle as your two main linebackers, but they are still going to get torched through the air. Yeah, a good point by Jace. Yes, he, he, their secondary is absolutely pathetic. But having a Cox and having a Parsons is definitely going to help you against the run, which, you know, if a team has to be one-dimensional, that makes it a little bit easier because that, that, that you're, you're eliminating play actions. So that makes it a little bit easier for your defense to, you know, to, to end up rushing four because they do have a they do have a good pass rusher into Marcus Lawrence, so it does make your make it easier if you, if they if a team doesn't run the ball as well. It it will it will affect it does affect an offense's passing game. So if the Cowboys can stop the run, I think that's what their Jane Quinn's trying to start to do. Keanu O'Neill, uh, Cox, and Micah Parsons stop the run first, and then you know work on you know getting the secondary being better. You know, so I think the Cowboys' focus is stopping the run this year. Yeah, it's got it because they, they were absolutely atrocious in that last year. And then, yeah, it just opened up play action and just, you know, again, they, they made any offense last year look like a, a Super Bowl contender. It, it was bad. So, yeah, if they can stop the run and, and kind of force teams to be one-dimensional, they, they definitely do have a better shot. Um, you know, this year, especially Dax is healthy with that offense, they should have no problem against scoring points. Absolutely, absolutely. So who's your offensive player from that round who could be like, you know, a solid starter? I have going in the sixth round, Marquise Stevenson going from Buffalo um, or played at Houston. He's going to Buffalo. Former roommate, college roommates with Ed Oliver. So, oh, wow. Renamed with him. And they need yeah. a run. They need a running game. They, they definitely need a running yeah. game, Buffalo. I mean, it was Moss and Singletary. I know that Dable didn't run the ball a lot last year, but Moss and Singletary weren't cutting it. No, they weren't. And, you know, Stevenson, he's a, he's a, um, he's a great return guy, too. And he's another big play guy. Like he had ten catches of last year, fifty yards or fifty yards or more, and three catches, seventy yards or more back in two thousand nineteen. Um, he had thirty or twenty-seven total touchdowns, receiving, rushing, and um, return. He, again, he's he's a 
great weapon too, using him in the, the jet sweep. Um, I feel like he's a guy that could kind of be like an Isaiah McKenzie form, you know, in the slot. And I think for um, with Josh Allen, that it, the way Diggs did it, with Diggs, the addition, the deep, the deep threats um, that Buffalo has, he kind of adds to that. He's a, he's another deep threat. So I, I think you know if he kind of takes over for McKenzie. I think he can make some big plays and even special teams wise, I think he's, he can make some special plays if you know, you're not careful. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens there. So to wrap up the draft, we got to talk about our teams the giants and the Patriots. We'll start with the giants and you know, it was a little bit of a surprise. They didn't go with an edge rusher after they traded down. They didn't go with uh, Quiddy Pay in, in that spot. But I like Catavius Tony. I think he's a good slot receiver. I think he's got a lot of speed. He can play special teams. He's very versatile. So I don't mind, you know, trading, trading down, getting that extra first round pick and getting Tony. I didn't love it at first. A lot of Giants fans didn't love it at first, but I don't mind it. But I really, really like the second round pick, getting Ojolari, getting as and, and Jace, you can correct me if I'm not if I'm saying the name right. Aji Ojolari out of Georgia. I think this guy could be really, really good. I think he's the edge rusher that could really step up in this Giants defense. I really like that pick. And then if you look at the the uh, the, lat, the, the other picks, uh, third round they got Aaron Robinson. They got another corner on the sixth down, Rodarius Williams, to you know, improve their depth. And uh, they got Ellerson Smith, another edge rusher, and Gary Brightwell. Uh, and oh, Chase, Ojolari <laughs> is going to be the defensive rookie of the year. We'll see about that. We'll see about that. Of course, Jace Garcia is already high in him. Mm-hmm. Already high on Agilari already. But yeah. So uh I'd ask you this you watch obviously Justin. Out of you know Agilari and Tony, who is the other guy that you know could be a big impact player? Other draft pick I know there's really a curve here, but that who could be an impact player for the Giants this year out of this draft class? Yeah, the Giants had a really solid draft. Um they did. I think I think at um Edison G. Smith coming out of Northern Iowa. Yes, I know again competition may have not been great in Northern Iowa, but um this is a guy last year that, or back in 2019, obviously, because FCS didn't have a spring season. Um, he had 14 sacks, I think, in 12 or 11 games. He knows how to get to the – he's a very good pass rusher. He knows how to find the ball. He knows how to get to the quarterback. Um, you know, I think – I thought maybe they go line there with how many offensive linemen they have left. But I, I think he's a guy – if you can add some more weight, weight onto him. Again, he's a big – he's big. He's 6'7", 245. Um Again, I think he's a guy that could develop, gets a bigger frame. Um, I, I think this guy could be a really impact player in an, another, you know, year or two. You give him some time to to kind of um, to de- develop, like most of these day three guys kind of have to do. I, I think he could be a very, um, I, I think he could be a nice, very nice day three pick for the Giants. He can be. And you made a great point about the offensive line. I was surprised with that, too. The Giants didn't take any offensive linemen in this draft. Seeing that, according to Prayer, some people don't think pro football focus is right all the time, but according to pro football focus, at the end of the season, this offensive line was ranked 31st in the league, and they didn't take any offensive linemen. And now Gettleman's claiming that the O-line's better than you think, you know, and he and he probably wants some of these young guys to figure it out. He probably wants the Andrew Thomases, the Matt Pertz, the Will Hernandezes, the uh, Shane Lemuse, and the uh, – Nick Gates, he wants this O-line to figure it out and make an improvement. But they really didn't really add much to this offensive line. That is definitely the biggest concern for the Giants going into the season. Because if this offensive line is, is you know, really bad, this offense is going to struggle. I mean, I know they have a lot of weapons, but I, I'm not asking for the offensive line to be, you know, I don't, I'm not asking them to build a wall around Daniel Jones. But I at least expect average offensive line play. And I think with average offensive line play, this this offense could be pretty good. But if they have terrible offensive line play, it's going to affect their offense. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. Especially if you play Washington, a team that's got great pass rushers. Again, that could be a very long day if they, if they offer the line. You know, can't get much done against them. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a worry. Correct me if I'm wrong, too, but don't they get – um? Uh, <laughs> of course. Back? We say, yeah, they got Soldier back, too. Yeah, they got Soldier back, too. And, of course, mm-hmm. Jace brings up an undrafted free agent from Baylor. Is uh, a solid is, – is that a, is this a solid guy? Do you know anything about Jake Burton? I've never heard of Jake Burton in my uh, life, so – I've heard of them. Like, I don't remember. I didn't watch them with Dale football. It's crazy how you and Justin know all these college football – and you and Jace know all these college football players. I've never heard of Jake Burton in my life. But he, Jace says he's solid. He's watched a lot of Jake Burton. I haven't watched a lot of Jake Burton. So, hopefully, Jake Burton could add to the depth in this offensive line. Hopefully. As a fan, I hope that. Yeah, yeah. yeah hopefully, hopefully he can. I didn't watch too much Baylor football because they didn't have much of an offensive line last year. They didn't have much of an <laughs> offense last year. But um, – yeah, you know, again, yeah. Sometimes some of those undrafted guys, yeah, it's just a depth piece, and you kind of hope you don't ever really have to use them, but could come in handy. You know, um, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see. You know, we'll see. The Giants, this has to be a good draft for Dave Gettleman. This has to be a good season for Dave Gettleman, or he will be shown the door. He will be fired after this season. They're under 500. He's getting shown, shown the door, and so is Daniel Jones. So we hope the Giants had a, I hope the Giants had a good draft as a fan. Now we'll move on to the Patriots, and obviously we've talked about Mac Jones. But the question I got for you, Justin, and I know you've watched a lot of these guys, probably because they were drafted by the Patriots, you probably studied some of these guys. Outside, uh, really, outside of, uh, you know, they had, I think they had about like six or seven picks between the second and seventh round. Who are, I would say we'll pick two guys. Who are two guys you think that are going to make a big contribution to this team this year? I think it turned the third, um, starting with Ronnie Perkins. I, I'm really excited. I think I know we have some depth at the edge. I know we do, but this is a guy too that can, you know, Alex Grinch at OU last year moved him around to different spots. And again, Bill Belichick loves to do that. Bill Bill loves to, you know, kind of throw you, tries tries to confuse the offense. Um, he's kind of, he's old school. He um, edge guy. He can't. He's a stand up rusher. He cannot put it. He cannot get his hand down. And be able to rush he'll, the quarterback. He'll be used for situations when they play a four-three. He'll probably be a situational pass rusher then. I think. Yeah. In my like opinion. What they kind of do with a Chase Winovich the last few years kind of isn't kind of could be used in that way. Yeah, like a third down um, type of guy. But he's he, but he's quick. Um, he's powerful. Um, again, I think he he's gonna fit this New England New England defense. And another guy that I thought was gonna go higher up. So I'm happy we were able to steal him. Um, this, this, the second one was a tough one going, you know, uh, with Bloodshoe, Sherman, and, and Nixon. I know because of the way, like, on suit, uh, Mike on suit, the offensive lineman last year kind of really came out of nowhere for him last year. Uh, but I'm going to go with Bledsoe out of Missouri. I know, you know, I, I, because he's going to be buried down in the depth chart as a safety because I know we're, we're deep at that spot. But he's another, but he's a guy that, can play all over. He can play in the box. Uh, again, he could. Again, he gets sick. He can, or he can um, handle wide receivers and tight ends down in the middle of the field. Um, you know, he's quick enough. So he's a guy that you can. You know, and he's pretty. He's pretty good at cover safety as well. So um, another guy he can kind of run. Kind of, you can place him anywhere. He can play a little bit in the box too. So and Bill loves safeties that can play in the box. So I, I think. Maybe not going to play a ton early, but I think if the Patriots stick with him and get, you know, and kind of time moves on here and he gets a shot, I think he could really help out this um, defense. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. And uh, it'll be interesting, you know, 
both big drafts for the Giants and Patriots because both these teams need to improve their rosters from what happened last year. Both these teams had losing seasons. They both need to improve their rosters. This is why Tom Brady left New England because the Patriots roster wasn't good enough. Patriots need to need to need to improve their roster. This is a huge draft for for Bill Belichick. And, and if he wants to, if Belichick wants to still be here in the next you know three to four years, he's got to hit on this draft. And Mac Jones has got to be the guy. It's as simple as that. But we're going to shift over to the NBA. But before that, I don't know if Jay's ready for a promo, but because we could go without it. But before that, we have a promo from Clovercrest Media. Attention all basketball fans. CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. That is the posting a podcast uh, with with uh, Lucas, Lucas, Jace, and Sean. Make sure you get and Lucas, uh, not Jay, uh, Lucas, Zay, Sean, and Jay. Chase is the producer, so make sure you get check guys check that out every Tuesday and Saturday. Uh, and they'll they'll talk about all the stories in the NBA. So make sure you guys check that out every Tuesday and Saturday. And the big story in the NBA right now is LeBron James. He came back, you know, against the Kings on Friday night, and he came back against the against the against the Raptors on Sunday. But he he was rushed back. His his you know. Is, is he rushed him back from that ankle injury? And in my opinion, he's going to miss the next two games against the Clip. Huge games at the Clippers and at the Blazers the next two weeks. Next two games, the next, the next, uh, their next two games. Yeah, so he's going to miss. Game. Yeah, the next two games. So, you know, I think he's going to be out for the entire uh, for the entire for the rest of the season. And in my opinion, look at the schedule. Look, I think the Lakers are playing in the playing tournament. I think. Look at the Lakers schedule. If you look at their schedule, they got at the Clippers. I think that's a loss. They got at the Blazers. I think that's a loss. They got Phoenix. I think that's a loss. The Knicks questionable, but I think that's a loss. Uh, at Houston, they'll probably win that, and then at Indiana and at New Orleans, they got a tough schedule. I could very, very easily see them in their next uh, in their next seven games going one and six and getting that number seven seed. And LeBron James saying, "Oh, the playing tournament's stupid. The playing tournament's stupid." You're in that position. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the most. I think it's the most fair way things could happen this year in a pandemic year. If you get the number seven seed. That's what's going to happen. So I think right now the Lakers—they're not. I know they won the other night against the Nuggets, but they're not. But they're not playing well without LeBron. They're going to be without. They're out without Dennis Schroeder too. Right now, I think the Lakers are going to be the number seven seed. Right now, I got them as the seven seed. I think they finish the season uh, playing in this playing tournament. I think we see them next week uh, in, in in two weeks in the playing tournament. I'm with you, uh, and I watched a lot of that game Friday night when they played the Kings, and they, they were they were not very good at all. And, and granted, too, De'Aaron Fox was not in. Did not play Friday night for the Kings. Or Harrison Barnes are pretty much arguably the two best players, and they still cannot knock off the Kings that are tanking right now. So, yeah, that was very, um, uh, you know, concerning. Yeah, you know, yeah, they really because he played thirty. I was surprised how many minutes he played. I figured they would ease him back into LeBron back into it. They didn't. Um, shorter, shorter's out for yeah two weeks. Like he's not expected back till May nineteenth, and um, with uh. Luke, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, he per- and I, I respect LeBron. He praises it when it's for because he thinks he's going to be the one or two seed. But now that he's going to be the seven yeah. seed, he says it's a, it's a, a guy's got to get fired for his idea. Yeah. LeBron, decide what you decide. Do you like it or not? Stop being a hypocrite. Decide. Do you like it or not? Just doesn't matter what situation your team is in. Do you like it or not? I think you're being a mm-hmm. hypocrite saying that now. Now someone needs to be fired for coming up with it. Yeah. 
just like the Mavericks. Mark Cuban voted to have the playing tournament, and he's, you know, him and Luca were complaining about it a few weeks ago when we were talking about it. So, yeah, you guys, you know, I mean, you don't want it. You know, you got to think you, there's maybe a small chance we may have to play in it. So, let's maybe, if I don't want it, let's not vote for it. But, yeah, I, I'm very concerned with the Lakers. Look, their defense is very – so, yeah, they beat the Nuggets the other night without Murray, but they won 93-89. When team's best player is out there and it's not a center that, you know – Again, it's going to be very tough to win a 93-89 game, and it's oh, not yeah. going to get it done. They're not – yeah, they're not playing well. Drummond has his game in foul trouble. Again, if he's in there, he can get you 20. But, again, if he gets in foul trouble, the other night he played 20 minutes and got four points. Like, gets, that's not going to cut he it. He gets you in foul trouble, and he needs 10 field goals to get you 20 points. And this is why I say it all the time. It's very hard to win an NBA championship – with a center as your best player, because they don't take as many uh, perimeter, they don't take as many threes. And in this NBA, you got to take three point shots to be successful. So I, th- that's why, you know, that's why we, you know, even Anthony Davis, I would not honestly, I, I think you could argue Anthony Davis right now might not be a top 10 player in this league because with him being the best player, the team is just not, it's not as, it's not as good. I mean, LeBron James is clearly, clearly, well, LeBron James, this team, you know, they won the other night, but without LeBron James, this team is clearly nowhere near as good. No. No, they're they're just stagnant offense. They're just again, Mark. I was I think two nights ago, Marcus all I was shocked, gave you like 10, 8, and like six or whatever. I was very surprised with that. But yeah, it's like Kuzma Kuzma's just gone south ever since his rookie year. You know, he just um or after his like sophomore year, it's just you know, like first two years he averaged like 18 points. Now it's down to like 12. It's again they need like they need him to put up 20, and it just he hasn't been able to do it since. And talking about Schroeder, too, Schroeder's probably out like the like the playing game too. I think because May nineteenth is when he's able to come back from COVID, I believe. So yeah, it's yeah, um, yeah. Dan, Jay's makes a good point. Plus minus minus forty. To me, I hate to say this, I think Anthony Davis is overrated. I'm sorry, I think he is. I think you know, saw him, saw him in New Orleans. He won one playoff series. I mean, he doesn't really handle the ball that much. Yes, he can shoot threes as a four, but. I think I let me tell you I'm taking I'm taking you know when you look at I'm taking Luke over him I'm taking Dame Lillard over him I'm I'm taking I'm I'm probably taking Embiid and Jokic over him I'm sorry you could argue you look go through the let's go through the league let's see if he's a top like who who players would take over AD I take obviously you take you take LeBron Curry Durant you take Harden you take Giannis you take you you definitely you definitely taking Doncic you're definitely and and let me know if I'm missing anybody you're definitely taking Doncic over him. You're definitely taking uh, you're definitely taking Kawhi over him, taking Kawhi over him any 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 day of the week. You're taking uh, you're taking you're taking Lillard over him. You're taking uh, you're taking you're taking Jokic. You're taking Embiid over him. That's probably ten. I don't know. Jace could be Jace, you can count it if you want, but like that's probably ten guys you're taking over AD. I'd honestly say right now AD's not a top ten player in the league, and it's been proven since LeBron's been out that he's not played. He's not he's not you know been carrying that team. No, yeah, and then. This year from three, he's struggling. He's like 26%. He's like 22 for like 86 this year from three. He's not even shooting it well. And that's useless. I, I would even, I would even I'm, say I would take Julius Randle right now over Anthony Davis. The way Randle's been playing? I wouldn't go that far. I know Randle's playing great, uh, but I wouldn't go that far yet. Yeah, but the way he's been I know, I know, I know. Hey, you got a point. You got a point there. You got a point. I mean, yeah, you know. I, I'm like, because I think the Lakers still all around, right, even with LeBron out, still have a better overall team than Knicks do. But, yeah, I, but, you know, the way, Randall the point there, but yeah, again, I, I am very worried about the Lakers. And being a Kings fan, I I would love to see the Lakers be in the seventh spot and get knocked out in the play. And that that that'd be great 
Yeah, yeah the Kings cannot stand the Lakers. It, 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 it goes it goes right back it goes right back to that O two series. That's another story for another day. But yeah, it goes right back to that series in O two. But yeah, and as and Jay's just right, made a comment. Jay's saying it. Yeah, right now I take Randall over AD. I just wouldn't go that far yet. But I think this year you could argue Randall's played as well or maybe be, uh, maybe better than AD. So hey, you guys got a point about that, you know. If you're especially in today's NBA, you got to be able to shoot threes. I don't care how great you are defensively. You got to be able to shoot threes and you got to you got to score points and shoot threes and Randall's done that and AD hasn't done done it that well this year and that's why the Lakers very easily could be the 7th seed. Oh yeah, one I I'm with you. I, I have them as a 7th seed right now. They just again, unless it's somebody steps up with again, like I Kuzma's able to do it. He just hasn't been able to show it to lot. I don't know what it is, you know, but yeah, I, I, I see him lose the next two, and I see Portland being able to jump him, and, you know, you're talking about the schedule. The way the Knicks are playing, I don't think they're beating the Knicks. The Suns are still battling for the one seed. They're not going to lose the Lakers right now, you know, because even if LeBron does come back in the next two games, he didn't look great Friday night, and I don't expect him to look much better just because he gave him another week off. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if he, you know, and I think he said Saturday. He's like, I don't think I'm ever going to be 100% healthy again. And he, he's comments much worse Saturday. Like, you know, I, I'm very worried about LeBron and Lakers right now. You have to be. You you absolutely definitely have to be worried about the Lakers right now. Looking at the teams that I think go ahead of them, I think the Mavs. I think the Ma- I think the Mavericks get the number five seed. The good part about the, the good part of the Mavericks is they don't have to, they don't have to see the Kings for the rest of the season because the Kings yeah, beat them three I, times. <laughs> for some wow. reason, they could not beat the Kings. The Kings like own them for and two of those games out to Aaron Fox. So at some reason, the, the, the Kings just own them. Yeah, yeah, because even Sunday they didn't even have Halpern. Or Barnes. Halburn got hurt during the game, but yeah. Yeah, Barnes, yeah, yeah. So he got hurt during the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. yeah. We got Barnes either. Yeah, I, again, I couldn't explain it. but No, I, no, but but look at the Mavs schedule. They got Brooklyn. I think they lose that. They got Cleveland. I think they'll win both those two games. Memphis go either way, and I think they beat New Orleans. They beat Toronto. They beat Minnesota. I think the Mavs wind up with the five seed, and I'm telling you one thing. If they get the Nuggets, they get in that bracket. They avoid playing the Lakers or the Clippers. Uh, before the conference finals, I think this Mavs team gets to the conference finals the way Luke is playing and the way Tim Hardaway's playing. Tim Hardaway's been red hot lately. He hit 10 threes, tied a franchise record last night against the Miami Heat. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> they can get that from Tim Hardaway, or at least seven or eight from Tim Hardaway at night. And Porzingis has been out too. I know it's no yeah. surprise Porzingis is out. You can't count on him, but say they get Porzingis, Hardaway, and uh, Luca going, this team could very easily, I wouldn't be surprised with Rick Carlisle uh, that they can get to the conference finals. No, I wouldn't try me either. It's the, the thing about the Mavs this year, it's just that they've been so inconsistent. You know, again, yeah, we talk about the Kings. They they haven't they didn't show up in any three of those games till the fourth quarter. They didn't really care. You know, for most of these kind of teams that they should beat, they really haven't shown up. But you know, obviously for the playoffs, you'd hope they show up. I think for the rest of the season, you hope, you know, I know they have a big game uh, tomorrow night against the Nets at home. You would think, you know, it's a big one. But yeah, I could see them as a five. It's a dangerous team, especially how um Especially if they can get Porzingis back, which I think it's game time decision right now, last I looked, but on Thursday. But you know, obviously if he can stay healthy, this team made the yeah, made the run last year. They they could really do it again. You know, I know the Jazz are right there in the in the sun, but those are two teams that don't have a think about the, the Jazz, Jazz have Suns been is, in the playoffs. Yeah, Jazz have experience, Suns have no playoff experience. And the yeah. thing is, is either either game, say you get them in the conference semifinals, either 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 of those two series. Mavericks got the best player in the series in Luka Doncic. No, they do. I, I, I'm i sorry, Jay. I'd love to take – I'm brewing for the Jazz to make a run here. But, yeah, I think right now Luka Doncic, right, um, 
again, if, if he's not complaining, not getting technicals, he, he's he's a any given night he's but the best player on the floor. Yeah, yeah he's, he's got to watch it. One more and he gets a suspension. But yeah, I mean, if he, they play the Jazz, they play the Suns in a in a, in a in a in a in a series. They have the best player in that series. I don't care how many times the Jazz beat them this year. I don't care how many times the Suns beat them this year. Luka Doncic is better than Devin Booker, and Luka Doncic is better than Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, you know he is right now. If he's on his game, he, he is. And you know we saw it last year in the playoffs. He, he was terrific. And um, I I definitely could see Dallas here making a run at things. And yeah, with with Nuggets being the four, with Murray hurt, with Don yeah, Doncic, I could see yeah, easily taking over that series, and then easily too in the semifinals. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll look at Portland, too. I, I think Portland obviously gets the six. I think they beat the Cavs tonight. They beat the Lakers. That's a big game against the Lakers. Huge game against the Lakers Friday night. Uh, and that's a huge game. Then I think they beat San Antonio, beat Houston. Then they got Utah and Phoenix. Phoenix, I think they lose those two. But I think they end up beating Denver in the last game. I think they wind up with the six. I, I think we have it the same. I think we got Mavericks five, we got Blazers six, and we got Lakers seven. Yeah, I got Blazers six. Yeah, because I got them beating the Lakers on a Friday night. The Blazers and their schedule's not hard, but you would hope by then, or you know, the last, you know, the Jazz could already maybe have their, you know, position kind of settled, and the Suns, and then and the Nuggets. So yeah, you could kind of, if all three of those three of those teams are already clinched and their spots are kind of, you know, finalized there, I, I could see you know, Trailblazers win all three of those, and you know, they got McCollum back now with with Lillard again, Norman Powell. He's been up and down, but the last few games he's been playing really well. So, yeah, I could see the trail. I see the trailblazer getting that six seed. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll shift to the Eastern Conference, and we had two matchups on Sunday and on and last night with the Bucks and the Nets, and the Bucks won them both. Giannis was outstanding in both those games. Giannis, Giannis uh, dropped uh, he, he dropped uh, 30, 30, 49 on Sunday and thirty six last night. And here's the here's here's the big thing. He hit eight three. He hit four threes on Sunday, and he hit four threes on uh on, on uh yeah last night and that's the thing he's gonna have to do if they're gonna beat the net if the nets are fully healthy uh he's gonna have to do that he's gonna have to shoot threes because that's been his problem over the years he hasn't been able to shoot three that's the one thing that's missing from his game is his three-point shot that's the one weakness of his game he's great at going to the hoop his defense is outstanding but the three-point shooting is the issue with Giannis and if Giannis can shoot threes that would give them a chance to beat to beat the nets if they're fully healthy but I think the problem is is He's not going to be great from three-point range if they play in the playoffs. And I think he's going to regret signing that long-term deal with the Bucs because he's going to see the fact that uh, the, the Nets' third-best player is clearly better than his second-best player. And that's why if they're healthy in a seven-game series, there's no way I'm taking the Bucs to beat the Nets just because of the big three. Yeah, it would be tough. It, you know, he was impressive the last two games, you know. Um, I'd like him to be a little bit more fishing. He was 11 for 33 last night. I would like that the little bit more fit, but again, they still won. Uh, Middleton played well. Dante DiVincenzo had a better second half. He was putrid in the first half, but he ended up with a double double with 15 assists. Um, you know, I know the Bucks probably aren't going to pass him. I think they're like a half game or game and a half back now, the Nets, but you know, I know last week too they swept the Sixers, but I know they didn't have um, Embiid wasn't playing, but. Still, yeah, I think for the Bucs, it's, it's been a lack of playoff success for him. And I, I think that's going to be able to hurt him. But, yeah, if, he, if Giannis can't – yeah, he, you know, he's 4 for 8 Sunday. Last night he's 4 for 12. But, you know, just hitting four threes for him, it's, again, it's pretty good. So, yeah, I just – I don't see him being able to um, make too many 
threes in the playoffs in a big spot against the Nets. I just do not see it happening. Yeah, I mean, you, you would like to see him. I mean, you've seen the last couple of years, you know, last year I think was his biggest blown opportunity. I mean, I thought he should have gotten to the finals last year. I mean, the year the year before he had that 2-0 lead, but he was going up against Kawhi. Last year I thought, before he got hurt, I thought that was the biggest blown opportunity. Losing those two games to the Heat, I felt like, that was his year to win the. That was his year to win the uh, Eastern Conference, and he and he didn't last year. But I, I do think that if I do think if he, if he continues three point shooting, they have a chance. But I just don't see it against a team like that in a big series. I don't think he's going to shoot enough threes, and I just don't think he has that. You know that that second option. I mean, the Nets' third option is clearly better than his second option. Yeah, yeah it is, and that that's the issue. And you, I, you know, Harden's probably going to come back very soon. I think so. Yeah, you know, if all three of those guys can go in healthy to the playoffs, I just it's going to be very tough. And then you have a guy like Joe Harris too that could again, he was a really lethal shooter who can, if one of those three guys is off one day and not playing, he can get you twenty five points himself. So yeah, I think that's where too, where the Bucks could struggle. They they, you know, because I think the Nets have a few guys that can step up one night when some of those guys are out. You know, I don't, you know, Holiday, you know, I know they still have Drew Holiday, but he's not the same. You know, Brook Lopez isn't much anymore. Chris Milton's a good player, but yeah, I I just don't know if there's that guy in that lineup or um or even off the bench that could kind of just give them pr- production. Yeah, you know, like double digits, you know, 15, 20 points to help out Giannis, Giannis out, you know, night and night out. They just they don't have that. They don't have that right now. Absolutely, absolutely, yep, yep. That's that's the reality of the situation for the Bucks. But we'll see what ends up happening in the playoffs. But we had the Astros returning to Yankee Stadium, but before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. Thank you, Tyler and Noah. Check out Baseball with the Bard every Sunday at 11 o'clock. Make sure you check that out. But last night at Yankee Stadium, the Astros got a reception, and there was no surprise what kind of reception the Houston Astros got. Those Yankee fans did not forget what happened in 2017 and in 2019. They didn't forget at all. And, oh, they gave it to the Astros, the booze. You saw the, the shirts with the trash cans on them. You saw the shirts with the cheaters on them. Oh, they gave the Astros everything that they deserved last night. And it was great. I mean, Aaron Boone said it was a playoff atmosphere. Even Dusty Baker said this was a playoff atmosphere. There were 10,000 people in the stands, but last night it felt like there were 50,000 people with the atmosphere and all the booze the Astros got, and they sure deserve it. I mean, they cheated worse than any team, by far worse than any team has has cheated. They completely deserved it. They were the only team, in my opinion, that arguably should have had their championship taken away because of how bad they cheated. So they, they deserved everything they got last night, and it definitely was fun to see those Astros getting booed at Yankee stadium. Oh yeah. 100%. And the reason why I'm, you know, I dislike them so much too, is they never made it to it. And I think that's why there's, there's so much hate for them still because they all wear it with pride. It feels like they all, you know, we're the villains. We're going to take, you know, they, they take off and run with it. It's like, they don't even feel any remorse from what they did. And I think that's why, you know, I think even if, you know, they still cheat. Obviously, they still get the booze and all that. But I think it's even worse because it's like they, it doesn't, you know, they don't seem to really, you know, they've never really apologized for it. And they never got suspended or anything. They never got penalized for this. Again, they got off scot-free. I know Hinch and um, 
Luna got fired. Yeah, but that didn't even matter. It didn't matter that Lynch, no. that, that 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 Jeff, that Luno and Hinch got fired because the thing was last year they got to the they're one game yeah. away from the World Series. None of those those players should not even been playing last year, and they're one game away from the World Series. Yeah, which was ridiculous. Yeah, they should have all got suspended, and I know Manfred because they got an immunity because they kind of made it to him, and they they kind of kept it on the raft. No surprise them would be baseball, but yeah, you know it's. It's ridiculous, and I, all those guys should have got some sort of suspension because yeah, they they treated worse than anybody has in baseball, and it's, you know, uh, terrible. But you know that that was great last night to see all the booze. You know, he, even uh, Dusty Baker, he was like, oh, they they were too too hard on Tuve. He was try, you know, he was he had to pour a little bit too much effort. He's not one for his last twenty four, even though Dusty Baker credited the your. You know, he was went hitless because of the Yankee fans booing him the whole time. But he's won for the last 24. I think he's batting like 249 or something now. Like, he batted 219 last year. He's not been doing very well the last few years. And, um, but yeah, that was a great reception. That again, I, I can only imagine there's 50,000 there last night because again, you could be listening and not really even watching the game and you would think there's 50,000 people at that game last night. It was, it was crazy. Oh, it was it was amazing, and the Yankee fans did a great job. They showed why they're great fans. I mean, they don't forget what happened, and and they did a they did a. And here's here's the thing: Pete Rose is blackballed from the MLB for betting and betting on sports is legal now. The Astros yeah. cheated. That's exactly right about that. Yeah, Pete Rose, the all-time leader in hits, got blackballed for for bet for gambling, yeah, which was wrong too. But like, still, yeah. the Astros flat out cheated and just basically got a slap on the wrist. Yeah, it's ridiculous, and yeah. I know baseball, like back then, was oh, we'll never do the sports gambling, we'll never be involved. But yeah, they, I think they're sponsored by DraftKings now. I don't know why, you know, you, you got to ban heroes now. I think it's ridiculous, and yeah, and the Astros are getting the slap on the wrist to keep their trophy. It, it's it's ridiculous, and that that's major league baseball. Again, it's it's a problem major league baseball. It's ridiculous, and he, Jason is exactly right about that. Yeah, I mean, Manfred pretty much just gave them a slap on the wrist, and they're still playing, and that's why they're they 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 need to be prepared to get in, to be getting booze in a lot of these ballparks, especially at Yankee Stadium, especially if they go anywhere in their division in Anaheim, in Texas, in uh, in Seattle, uh, any any team, Oakland, oh, especially Oakland, Oakland's probably the worst. Yeah, any any team, any team anywhere in that division, any of those four teams in that division, Yankee Stadium and the Dodge, and obviously Dodger Stadium, they got to get expected to get booze because they screwed the Dodgers in 2017. They screwed the Yankees in 2017 and 2019, and they screwed the teams in, in in their division. So those six places, they definitely will get the most booze. And you saw last year how they were there was a there was a there was a the benches cleared when them when the with the win them and the Dodgers played. Yeah, you know Joe Kelly that, that was great. And Joe Kelly gets suspended too for trying to uh, for trying to take matters into his hands. You know if you like it or not, he took the matters into his own hands. Yeah, he gets he gets suspended, but no Astros get suspended. Of course not. It's like they're like <laughs> under um. Like um, like witness protection program, you know, you're not gonna, you know, you're just, you know, we're, we're the age of baseball is just gonna protect them from everything, and which is ridiculous. And yeah, you know, they deserve. I know, you know, Dusty. I know Dusty Baker has to stand up for them because he, because again, he is their manager and all that, and I know he wasn't a part of that then. But when you took the job and when you knew going naked stadium last night, you should have knew everything that was coming at you. You knew that it should have been relentless booze all night and. I know you didn't like it, but it's going to be like that in the next three days or two days. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's going to be like that all year when they travel to, to when they play the the AL West and they play. And I don't know if they're going to the Dodgers, but if they if they play the Dodgers this year, the Dodgers going to, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the yeah. same thing. So 
yeah, it's it's just going to be booze pretty much all year long for what they did, and 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 then they deserve it. But getting to the Yankee, would you say? Yeah, I was going to say one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, getting to the Yankees, though, I mean. They're starting to get hot. I mean, yes, I know they've played, haven't played. They played the Tigers, uh, the, and they swept the Tigers, and they beat the or and they split with the Orioles. But they're starting to get hot. I think a big reason for it is Kluber's pitched well. Kluber's pitched really well. He pitched really well on Sat at Sunday. I think the off. I think Judge and Stan really picking it up. I love the fact now that they're hitting together. Judge and Stan really picking it up. You saw, you know, the the, the Grand Slam Judge hit on a. Uh, on Sunday, you saw you know you saw Stan get get a big home run last night. You've seen some of the big hits Stan's been getting been getting recently. The, the Judge and Stan stepping up that's been big, and obviously the rotation's been better too. And I think the bullpen's been great all year. So you're really seeing this Yankee team start to play better. Yeah, you are, and and just actually, Houston does go to L to go to the Dodgers. It's August third and the fourth. Oh, nice, they, nice, nice, in, nice. But of course, nice. it's at ten and ten o'clock and nine forty starts. So. Oh wow, wow. But yeah, so they will return. That would be fun as well. But again, the Yankees, they're 10 and 4 now since uh, Jay Bruce retired, which is the best records in that span. So they're playing well right now. And Garrett, I think Garrett, Garrett Cole set the set the uh, tone to start the homestand out, you know. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I know Detroit is, is awful, but yeah, Kluber on Sunday. You know, I took more of that out of it. it. Was his his pitches were just filthy, and it just looked like himself from five years ago. I don't care if it was the Tigers. Again, I, I think whoever they face, whatever lineup they face, I think he would have shut down most of most of any or majority of the MLB lineups. Yes, as as Joe says, it doesn't matter who you face. I learned that doing the roll call with Joe. Joe does not. I, I remember I was doing the roll call. We were doing the roll call with him. And I was saying, look at who Joe. Look at who. He, look at who. The, like Lance Lynn, I think it was like, look at who he faced. He's like, it doesn't matter who you face, and that's a good point, Justin. You're making the point. It's Kluber. Yeah, it doesn't really matter who who, who he's yeah. facing. He's been pitching better. Yeah, you know, it's not like he left play. You know, fastballs right down the middle, and the Tigers just couldn't execute. Again, he you know he was using the quadrants. He was painting the corners. Um, As Jace just says, good teams beat bad teams. Period. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They do. And the Yankees have finally started to do that. But that Stan right now is just that he's on a tear. And you know the big thing about Sam too is because all Yankee fans have been on top of him, and this is the guy we've been waiting for for three years. But the biggest thing in baseball is rhythm and timing. And when you play twenty regular season games a year, it's pretty tough to get your rhythm and timing down. And now that he's been healthy all of April, you know, he was healthy in March, you know, so we had a full spring training and he's, he's on fire right now. He's one of the hottest hitters. I think he's like, I think he's batting 429 in the last week. And he's, he's shoring his like, um, his foot tap this year. Like he, he looks like the, the guy from Miami we saw three years ago that won the MVP and was just an absolute monster. And this will be waiting for Yankee fans. And, you know, Judge has been picking it up too lately. Like, if these two guys kind of keep it going, it's again, it's it's scary. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, you look at the road ahead. The Yankees they play uh, Washington this week. I think I think they got to take two out of three in that series. Yeah, they, I think they do. Yeah, you know, um, especially yeah, because I think it's a thing. It's a seven game road trip coming up after that. It's a national team that's kind of. Been up and down. I don't, you know, their rotation's still solid, but at home, you know, the Yankees usually take care of business at home, and um, they they got to be able to definitely take two out of three, especially just to feel good going back out on the road. You're playing well, you know. Everybody's excited now that this team's kind of 
finally back on the right track that we all thought was going to happen in the beginning of the year. It took some time, but yeah, two out of three this weekend. It's a lineup that's not great. They have some pieces, but it's a team that they should beat. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think two out of three, they should definitely take at least two out of three from the Nationals. Right. Moving on to the Red Sox, who are hanging on. They're still in first place, and their offense is still outstanding. Obviously, the, the middle of that lineup might be one of the best in baseball with Bogart, mm-hmm. Devers, and J.D. Uh, Verdugo's been, been, been uh, hitting the ball well, too. Vasquez is a little bit, a little bit cold lately, but he's, he's still hit the ball pretty well as well. Uh, hit the ball well, too. But the problem with the Red Sox is I don't know how long this pitching – and that's, they lost three out of four at Texas. I don't know how long this pitching is going to last. That's the problem because it's going to be a while until Chris Sale gets back. And I, I don't know how long – because, you know, Eddie Rod didn't have a good start against the – didn't have that great of a start against the Rangers. Uh, last night, Pavetta, even though they beat the Tigers, he didn't have that great of a start. Uh, we know Richards has been up and down. So the pitching has been up and down. I don't know if this – I think Alex Cora is a really good manager, and I really like this lineup. I don't think this rotation is good enough right now for them to be a championship team. What's going to have to happen is Eddie Rod's going to have to be really good, and Chris Sale's going to have to come back and be really good. I still think this is a team that could compete for a wild card spot, but the way it's looking right now, you know, with Springer back with the Blue Jays and you got the way the Yankees are playing, I think eventually the Yankees and Blue Jays overtake this Red Sox team. Yeah, I think eventually they will. Um, it's Yeah, it's kind of – it's been one through six of the Red Sox lineup. Number, they're nine hitter right now, so um, they're they're the they're the worst team right now, in Major League Baseball at the nine spot with on base percentage. So that's with including all the National League teams that have pitchers at the nine spot. Wow, that's that's a, that's a staggering nine. number right there. Yeah, so it's it's but it's it shows you, but it shows you how good their three their three four five are that they're yeah. still are a top they're still in the top five and run scored. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, because it's even at the leadoff spot, they've been they've kind of struggled to find that guy. But yeah, with Martina, Bogart, Stevers, you know, Verdugo starting to play better. Yeah, so yeah, it just shows how good that middle of the lineup is, and that's kind of where their production's been coming from this year. And um, they've been they've been able to carry it. And you know, they I know they pounded the tire. They got a ton to run last night against Tigers. They should probably win tonight as well. Um, but yeah, it's you know, and then the pitching. I think Chris Sale is supposed to go start throwing very, very soon. I think um, in the next few weeks or saying. So I think they're still talking like July, August form. Like I, it sounds like too. They're not even a rush him back. Um, and the Yankees, Red Sox have been the opposite side of the coin. Yankees have been <laughs> underperforming. Underforming Red, Red Sox, pitching, yeah, has been overperforming. I, I wouldn't say you know over. It's overperforming a little bit. Yes, in the beginning it has. And it's starting to come. It's starting to. They're coming. Their rotation starting to come down to earth. The big reason why the Red Sox are in first place is because of their offense and how good Matt Barnes has been. Yeah, yeah. Barnes has just been. He's been electric. Um, you know, him and Chapman have probably been the two best relievers right now in the in the American League and maybe all of baseball um, so far. They they you know again he's been. And the other thing about Barnes too is you probably remember this last. The two things is. He could not throw a first pitch strike last year. I think now he's up to like 80, 70 or 80 percent this year. And he was a human rain delay last year, too. He's actually at times this year quick pitching him. And I, and I, I think, think Alex Cora makes a difference. I think Alex Cora oh, saw yeah. what he didn't do well last year. And, and that's why he's turning it around because Ron Renneke was not turning anything around. Alex Cora being the manager that, and I know, being the manager that, I know he was part of that cheating scandal, but being the manager that he is, he's turning that around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He has. And, and you know, I think just, him being that clubhouse, um, he's such a player's manager that, yeah, it, you know, it's really turned that that place around this year. And again, you know, they again all the Reds, you know, 
up in Boston after that one three start again they they were done they thought the season was over and here they are I know they're starting to fall off, fall off a little bit but yeah he's really turned things around especially after that first weekend too but and they're and they're in it they're in it and they're going to be yeah. in it I oh, think yeah. this team is going to be in it they're going to battle with Alex Cora they may not win ninety games but they're going to battle they're going to compete with Alex Cora that 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 that's the big thing they're going to be in it. they're going to be in a wild card they're going to at least be in a wild card race most likely they'll be in, they'll be in the they'll be in the division race with the Blue Jays the Yankees in the race so they're going to be in it that's the biggest thing. Oh yeah, I think that they, they, they will be. You know, they may go make a move or two in, in the end of July. Because yeah, they, you know, I know a lot of people didn't think they would be in it this year, but yeah, they will. It's it's a team that's they're they're not going to go away quietly. Um, and then actually on the Erod too, with the dead arm too, his fastball is only it's like in the low 90s right now, which you know it, it's concerning. They were kind of hoping it'd be a little bit higher at this point, but. So there, there's starting to be some concern because the fastball just has not been there. Um, yeah, because Texas hit him around the other night. I think it was Saturday night, I believe. And you don't want to be getting hit around by Texas. You know there's a problem when Texas is hitting you around. Yeah. Yeah, you do. It's not a not a good team outside of Joey Gallo. It's, there's, there's not much in that. Actually, Nate Lowe's – And Lowe's been playing well. Nate Lowe's, yeah, he's, he's off to a pretty good start. He's off to a pretty yeah, good that, start for them. Yeah. That, that's about it. That's all that lineup has at the moment. So, yeah, you don't want to be getting hit around now. Um and yeah, they they uh they need him to get going. Of all these, still been pretty good, but yeah, outside of that, Pavetta got got hit to a terrible Tigers team, as as we just saw at Yankee fans last week. That lineup is not very good. Um, so that's a concerning sign. But the pitching staff has done enough. But yeah, I just I don't know how much longer they can keep it up. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. We'll see what ends up happening there. But lastly, to wrap up the show, we got to talk about a team that's underachieved. Even though they're in, they're in the top of the, their division, that whole division is underachieved, and that's the Mets. The Mets, they're all especially offensively, and that resulted in them firing Chili Davis. And I just don't think this move is really going to make make things better. I know Lindor's struggling. I know Alonzo's struggling. I know that outside of outside of uh, Nimmo, this whole offense is struggling. So I, I just don't think this move makes this team better. No, I don't either. And I don't know if you heard the kind of – I think it was – it did. I think it started like the end of last week or this weekend with the Donnie Diesel as like their imaginary batting coach or their hitting coach or whatever. Because again, they started getting some runs off the Phillies, um, and that was kind of a weird thing there. With and then that was weird. And then um, what the Mets like official statement was like, we're not firing Chili Davis because of the results. It's, it's the um, execution. Um, and that's telling me too that Chili Davis was probably not very analytical, which I know he's an old school guy too. So they probably figured, okay, well, again, it's not working. So let's go, let's go with the analytical guy that's going to listen to us. And, you know, it, you know, he can be our, uh, bone pusher. So yeah, I don't, because Chili Davis has won a lot. And I, I think it was very wrong for the Mets the way it went, the way it went down, because he's, really respecting the MLB. He's been, he's been in the game for forever. It's kind of a disappointing way to kind of get rid of him. But, you know, and Pete Alonzo was, I, you know, after kind of, he saw the news on Twitter after the game, why was he in his post game meal? And I guess he said goodbye to him and he sat his locker, cried for like an hour, you know, after he left. So uh, I think even Lindor was upset. So it sounds like the players are upset by this too. So it'll be interesting how they respond. I know they got rained out last night and, you know, we'll see how this decision goes. And speaking of last night, 
their best their their best pitcher and the best pitcher in baseball, Jacob Degrom, uh, was scratched from his start with uh, right lat inflammation, and he won't throw for a few days. This could be concerning for the Mets. I mean, they cannot afford. Obviously, they cannot afford to have this guy miss really any kind of time, any any sort of time, because the way this team is hitting, and they shouldn't be hitting like this because they have much more talent. They have a ton more talent to be hitting the way they're hitting. But the way this team is hitting, this would be a huge loss if he's got to miss two to three weeks. Oh yeah, they, they they'd be in trouble. You know, you already have Syndergaard out. Carrasco, I think it's kind of it's getting closer to coming back, but they don't have much in the hitting. It's saying I forgot to mention with Lindor. Lindor's not even putting good contact in the baseball. It, he he's hitting dribblers and striking out. He's not even getting good wood. So it, it's concerning. And yeah, you don't have him. They can barely score runs with you know with them and with these on the mound. So. Yeah, you know, I think the one good thing maybe for the Mets is because of how bad this division has been, they can kind of somehow stay in, in it. But you think at some point the Braves start to play better. You know, you think the Nationals have more talent. So at some point, I think teams in this division are going to start playing better. But, you know, yeah, you lose him or two for a start, you know, it, it's it's very problematic. And he's, and he's had injury history, as we know. So it's, you know, concerning if you're a Mets fan. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and we'll see. We'll see how much time Degrom ends up missing, and we'll probably get that news today on what happens with Jacob Degrom. But that's going to wrap it up here on Sports Talk with R&J. We want to thank our producer Chase Garcia, who did a great job, and just and just and for Justin Anafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about the last week of the NBA season, uh, the big games on the NFL schedule that comes out to, uh, next when, uh, uh, at night on next Wednesday, and any MLB news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everybody. Manning lobs it. Burris alone. Touchdown, New York. It's off the Leonard. Defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back. Trap. Wall. See ya. Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m.